Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner, man. Hey, it's uh, Friday. You know, it's uh, episode whatever number this is, but it's Friday, guys. We're going to do a wrap-up of things that happened this week, man. So, I just got word uh, from different news stations that the vaccine for coronavirus probably won't be available for another eight months. So, how does that affect America when it comes to this whole pandemic? Do workers go back to work without a vaccine? We see that the that the percentage um, increase has has actually plateaued, and so it looks like the rates now of of, of increase are, you know, between four and five percent daily. But the death rate, guys, is still over four percent. So four percent of the people that get it die. And so that means it's forty times stronger than the than, than the normal flu. But if there's no vaccine. Should we go back to work? That's the question. And I am not sure that I am very comfortable with that because the numbers are going down as far as the percentage of cases that are increasing. But I think a lot of that has to do with the social distancing. And if we're social distancing, right, then that means we're six feet away from people and or quarantined at home and having stuff delivered to us, having food you know, sent to the house, having groceries delivered to the house, ordering from Amazon a whole lot more. We're not going outside as much. So I think a lot of that has to do with some of the metrics that show that the, that the number of cases on, on a percentage-wise are decreasing on a daily basis. However, if that is the true case, then should we feel comfortable going back to work? Should should we feel comfortable sending our kids back to school if they say, let's go back to work? I'm not sure if I'm really cool with that, because who's not to say that we're going to have a second flare up of this pandemic. Once everybody gets back around each other again. Right. But if that happens, if it happens to where they tell us to go back to work, what about this stimulus package that we have now? Right. Do we have to increase the uh, actual stimulus package now? Do we do that again, guys? And when I say increase the actual stimulus package, do we actually um, do this for like another eight months? You know, because the person, well, the people or the person who gets the stimulus check now, guys, what is it? A max of 1200 bucks for a single person and then a max of 2400 bucks for uh, a family. So do we do another two trillion dollar stimulus package every month? Because this twelve hundred bucks isn't going to last for a a complete pandemic cycle for people who can't go back to work. Uh, The twenty four hundred is not going to be enough for a complete family, for a married couple to sustain themselves for people who can't go back to work. You know, like what if your job? is a job that you can't go work at now because of this pandemic. Now I know that you can get, you know, unemployment, but sometimes unemployment isn't enough to cover your your finances. You know, it's a it's 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 like a supplement, right? 
you know, it doesn't give you your full salary. You know, it's it's a percentage um, of what you would be making. So is that enough to afford the the bills that you might have occurred um, because of the um, amount of money that you were making? All right. If that makes sense to you guys. Right. So if I make, let's say, X amount, say I make 50 grand a year and I have enough bills based upon the amount of money I make. So I put enough for savings and things of that nature, yada, yada, yada. Right. But my unemployment, it doesn't take into account the bills that I have. And let's say that you were a person who saved right and you have this six months of um, emergency savings saved up. Think about that for a minute. You have six months of savings saved up and you blow through the six months of saving because you're in an eight month pandemic. So how does that work out, guys? Right. Do we have to go through and press through eight more stimulus package and spend, I guess, 16 trillion dollars in total to to assist uh, folks who don't have jobs anymore and families who might need it because of this pandemic? Do we send our kids back to daycare if they tell us that it's it's cool? Like I said before, I don't think I would. You know, just think about that for a minute. Our kids are vulnerable. Do you remember that they said that youth really couldn't get this uh, virus? You know, that was one of the big myths when it first came out, and 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 it's not as acceptable into youth. And you know, there are a lot of rumors. You know. Minorities couldn't get it, which that is a total lie. Now we all know that the rate of uh, deaths when it comes to the coronavirus is three, four times greater than than any other race uh, for blacks. So let's say, for instance, in New Orleans, well, actually, just in the state of Louisiana. Well, let's just take it back to New Orleans. 33% or 30% of the residents there are African-Americans. But they account for 70% of the deaths due to COVID-19. So, you know, so what do we do? Do we go back to work if they tell us that we can, even though there's no vaccine? A lot of us are going to have to go back to work because we got to get paid, right? And then once you go back to work... They're going to have to open up the daycares and things of that nature. So now your kid's going and now your kids are exposed and you're exposed. And how does that sit with you guys? You know, I just want to know, how does that sit with you guys? I'm a little uneasy about it. Like I said, that's a very hard situation, a hard thing to to think about when it comes to this uh, virus. So. Yeah, we got to think about that for a minute. If a vaccine is not going to be available for another eight months, what do we do? What do we do as a country? I don't know the answer. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know the answer. This is scary. Uh, And so, you know, there's, what is it, 30,000 people have died or actually more than 30,000 people have died, you know, at the close of this week. Uh, The number of people who are infected is out. It's it's over 600 K. Um, so, you know, we got a 4% death rate, actually higher than 4% death rate of people who get it. Um, like I said, 30,000 deaths. It's uh, it's very discouraging. So I don't know how I would handle that. I just want to know how you guys think you would handle that. Um, it's just very, uh, it's it's depressing. It's depressing. And, you know, I have, you know, family members who actually have 
the coronavirus. And it's, uh, it's sad to, um, to see. So, you know, I have a cousin who has it. Um, and he is actually going through the motions and actually trying to get this thing settled in and trying to get some sort of normalcy with this. He's trying to recover. I have her sister-in-law who's a nurse and she's on the front lines in New York City right now. She volunteered to go help people who have it, you know, and we were all scared for her to go, but she's a, a trooper and, uh, and she, she wants to serve her country at a, at a, at a higher magnitude than what she could have done in the place where she was at. So she went to the front lines in New York city to, to help kind of battle this and help folks get through this. So, you know, kudos to the, uh, to the folks who are out there in the front lines, kudos to the health workers. Um, but how do you handle this guys and gals? Do we, do we go back to work? If there's not going to be a vaccine for another eight months, do we go back to work in an eight month period? Or do we stay back in and wait for this to to have a vaccine? Not sure. Not sure how I would handle that. But on that note, guys, let's go to a small commercial break and see you on the other end. All right. And we're back, peeps. Uh, back from the commercial break. So let's do another Friday recap, guys. There's some things that happened this week. So as you know, guys, President Obama just came out and endorsed Joe Biden officially. Uh, so did Bernie Sanders. So did um, Senator um, uh, Warren. You know, so they all came out and and, and endorsed Biden. Um, so this is going to be a very interesting um, presidential election this year. Yeah, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Um, it's going to be interesting in the fact that, let's say, for instance, if we're social distancing still at that time. How are the debates going to be handled? Um, I actually liked the debate between Biden and uh, and Sanders when there was nobody in the crowd. Because to me, people who listen to debates usually go into their go into that debate knowing who they're going to vote for, kind of regardless. Especially at that uh, late in the debate, you're just kind of rooting for your guy, right? Most people who are going for Bernie were, were rooting for Bernie, and most people who are going for Biden were rooting for Biden when it came to the debates. But, and you could hear that and feel the emotion when the debates went on, uh, when people were in the crowd. Some people would cheer, um, some people would clap. And so, if you're not a person who listens to the words, at a debate, you could be easily swayed upon what somebody says, maybe because they said it with some vindiction and maybe because they were louder than the other person. Uh, what I like about the debates that don't have people in them is you get to hear the words, uh, the unobstructed words and thoughts of the two debaters. And there is no no crowd cheering. There is nobody uh, protesting at a debate. There's there's none of that. It's only the people who are debating and the moderators. So there's no cheering. So you get to actually hear the words. You don't hear any applauses and you get to make a educated uh, decision on each topic on who you thought won that topic and who you thought's views lined up with yours the most. And that's what 
I like about debates with no people in it. So it's going to be interesting because if this social distancing is still going on, how are they going to moderate these debates? They have to have some kind of town hall. It has to be like when Biden uh, went against Sanderson in his last debate where they were social distanced. They were six feet away from each other um, with the podiums. Uh, they didn't go shake hands with each other. Would they do that? Would it be a President Trump and Vice President Biden on a Zoom debate? I, I, I don't think that would happen. I would think they would have to be in person. However, it might not be. I mean, it might be to the to the point where we have to have that for a debate. It's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting times. This is uh, this is changing uh, the scope of America and how things are naturally done, because we're so used to being uh, people who have to uh, be somewhere. Right. We had we're not comfortable until we are out. Now we are forced to be in. So this is a time where you have to honestly, this is you're getting your family time back. All that time that we miss at being at work and driving to work, we're getting all that time back with our family. And I and I freaking love it. Uh, Some people um, are probably not loving it because they don't want to be home. (laughs) But I love being at home. I love being around my family. Uh, so, so it's an amazing time for me because not only do I get to work, but while I'm working, I'm, I'm, I'm helping my five-year-old read. I'm helping my five-year-old do math problems. And I think that's amazing that I can be able to get that fatherly time with my son while we're working. So, but getting back to the debates, man, why is it important that President Obama finally endorse uh, Biden? It's very important because now... The Democrats have one candidate that they can put up and, you know, the Republicans have one candidate, which is President Trump. And now uh, you have the two folks who are going to be running for president um, in the 2020 election. And now you you get to see the campaigns and see what each one stands for. It's going to be very interesting. Very interesting. It's it's very important because it's uh, it's. We're now going to see how the Obama effect is going to help and aid Joe Biden. Uh, we're going to see the counter attacks that uh, President Trump is going to do against these um, these endorsements. And I think we already saw it in the in the past. What was it? Tuesday's was it Monday or Tuesday's press conference for the COVID-19 Um where he kind of had his own campaign uh, uh, commercial that he played during the during the um, during the press conference, uh, it's kind of odd, but but yeah, we're we're going to start seeing the ads and and the topics that are going to be talked about, and voters are going to be able to wrap their hands around how and what their respective candidates going to talk about. And also, let's be honest, if there's a social distancing going on, how are we going to vote? Is it going to be a vote by mail now for the most part? Um, We can't expect people to go out and vote now in person and do the social distancing, especially for the presidential election, because the lines will be out. They will be out of this world. And I couldn't imagine people being six feet away from each other uh, for lines that could Honestly, if you 
put people six feet away from each other and, and you extrapolate that by the lines that we saw in the Texas primaries for the Democratic primaries, those lines would be probably two or three miles long. And are we going to do that? That just doesn't make sense. I think we're a much smarter country than that to, to allow that to happen. So it's going to be interesting in how we do the votes and how the votes get in for the presidential candidates. Um, I am very intrigued on how that's going to uh, work out and happen. So very important very important. It was uh, interesting to see. And, uh, you know, President Obama, when he had his his 11 minute uh, talk on his 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 Instagram live on why he endorsed Joe Biden. And we all knew he was going to endorse Joe Biden. That's his guy. That's his vice president for eight years. And you can tell that those guys really genuinely love each other. And so, you know, he was just waiting to see if he was going to win the primaries. And once he won, we all knew the endorsement was going to come from from uh, from Obama. So. Enough about the you know the politics side of the house, guys. Let's talk about one of my other favorite subjects, and that's music. So, the rumored next producer battle, hopefully happening this weekend or next weekend, Jermaine Dupri versus Puff Daddy, Daddy versus JD. Ooh. People forget JD had them hits, and. Puffy has those hits also. So I'm, I would love to see that. Those guys have hits, and they and their hits range. It's a perfect matchup because their hits range from R&B uh, to, to rap, and you can honestly see some of the R&B songs. I'm, I'm waiting for the R&B battles because you're going to have 112 uh, versus Jagged Edge, and who do you think has better songs between the two? Oh, that's going to be amazing. Who's Who is a better producer, right? Uh, you're gonna have rap artists like you know Puffy, who had Biggie, and a lot of Puffy stuff too, and other people that he had in his camp. Um, you know, you had the Craig Max, and you had the Locks, and you had Mace, and you had R&B groups like uh, Total and uh, One Twelve, and other rap. I mean, you had a lot with Puffy. Even some of the new stuff with French Montana. I know he did some things with Rick Ross, if I'm not mistaken, also. Oh, man. The catalog is so deep. You had R&B with Faith, Faith Evans. And you had Black Rock. I mean, he had a lot of people on his roster. But then Jermaine Dupree. He had, you know, Escape. He had the Jagged Edges. He had, what I think, the Franchise Boys, right? Then he had the Franchise Boys. Uh... No, no, which one did the lean with it, rock with it? It wasn't Franchise Boys. It was, um, yeah, Franchise Boys. Um, he had the, you know, the Chris Cross with the jump. You know, when that beat's been sampled a lot, um, you had uh, the Brat. People forget how good the Brat was. So functified. You had Jermaine Dupree with songs with him and guys like Jay Z, Money and a Thing. You had a bunch of songs and a bunch of hits between these two guys. So it's gonna be very interesting. I can't wait to see that. So hopefully that goes through. Next thing on the agenda, guys, is coming up next week. The NFL draft, guys. I cannot wait to see that. It's gonna be amazing. Um it's gonna be interesting to see too because it's gonna be a social distance NFL draft. So it's gonna be very amazing to see that too. But I cannot wait to see that first round of draft. I think it starts on Thursday. It's, it's the first round. Second and third round is on Friday, and then fourth through seventh are on Saturday. So I can't wait to see it either. So on that note, guys, that's a look to what's coming up next week. And I'm going to have some analysis on, on, on the quarterbacks, who I think should be the the top pick, 
who is going to be the top pick, who I think should be the top pick, and just an analysis of the three top quarterbacks in uh, Joe Burrow, uh, Tua, and uh, Herbert from um, Oregon. So on that note, guys, we're going to end this. We're getting a little long winded here today. And so, you know, everybody knows what I do. I always say my do you slogan at the end of every podcast. So you guys know what it stands for. Just go ahead, repeat it with me. D, don't be afraid to fail. O, outgrow your environment and you understand your brilliance, man. Do you. Do you. And on that note, Nino's Corner, I am out. I salute you guys. Bam. Love you all, man. Nino's Corner, I'm out.